VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might now be at a game this year. Either way, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the ARMCHAIR All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a Sunday night edition of The Bird Calls. Uh, joining me as always, David Fisher, Kevin Barrios, and our editor-in-chief at TheBirdRights.com, Ali Cobell. Um, the big news today, of course, Taysom Hill getting his start with the Saints and the Saints beating the Atlanta Falcons. But there's still plenty of basketball to talk about as well. Gentlemen, good evening. Ali, how are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm happy that the trade finally got finalized. We've been watching free agency unfold. Pelican's name was not even mentioned anywhere once. So, yeah, it's good to get rolling. Kevin, um, 48 hours into free agency, how are you feeling so far? feel pretty good, you know. Uh, I'm really happy with the trade, which Ali will break down soon. And, um, you know, and I, I also really like the Hernan Gomez signing, and I'm looking forward to see what else trickles out there. Um, but, yeah, I feel good about the direction of the team. It's definitely a shift in – what we've seen from the past. So it's, you know, at least we're going to see something different. And I was tired of the same old thing every year. So it's, uh, you know, um, it's exciting. And like, like I I forgot who posted it, but it was you, uh, Grub, that, uh, you know, basically Fred Benson is the only holdover, you know, really named holdover from the Demps era. So, you know, it's exciting times, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Fish. Um, we're preaching patience out there, and I know you're taking a lot of, of hits in stating that, but you're feeling good as well, aren't you? I'm feeling pretty good. Um, they have delivered what I asked for. Um, if Going all the way back to when um, Gentry was fired in that please just build a defensive team around Zion and Ingram. They've done that with hiring Stan Van Gundy, I feel like. And then with this trade they have, I do have, I do have questions on the mm-hmm. trade in, ter- in terms of what it does for the team short and medium term. Um, and we can get into that later. Um, but I'm still, I'm excited about just Steven Adams and Zion Williamson setting some screens and just murdering some human beings. Uh, Ollie, let's go into the trade that expanded to a four-team deal. A lot of players, a lot of picks moving. Can you just go ahead and break that down finally as we as we yeah. got the resolution of that today? Yeah, we were getting it in bits and pieces, and Fish was had the uh, responsibility of trying to follow it as he was writing up the initial article when it was announced Stephen Adams was coming to New Orleans. So. Of course, everybody should know by now the Pelicans are getting Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, 
And, and, and at first, they got three first-round picks from the Bucks and two future swaps. One of those picks, of course, has been utilized and traded to Denver, one of the other teams in this deal, which has turned into R.J. Hampton uh, for the Nuggets. The other two teams, Milwaukee. As you guys know, they got Drew Holiday, but they also got the number 60th pick in this past draft where they drafted Sam Merrill, a guard. And, of course, the last team, OKC, they're really the saviors, I think, of this deal because without them accepting a couple or three sign-in trades on three small guys, basically that you're not even sure if they're legitimate NBA players is what made this deal possible. So OKC is getting George Hill, who got rerouted through New Orleans from Milwaukee. Um, Darius Miller, his contract was fully guaranteed for this year. And then the three sign trades, as I talked about, Josh Gray, Kenrich Williams, and Zillin Cheatham. Um, and they also received uh, three picks from the Pelicans. 2023, a protected first rounder from Denver, and then two second round picks. A lot of people were upset about this deal initially, thinking that Griff maybe gave up too much. But upon hearing today that basically Sam Presti added three players through sign-in trades, uh, like I said, you're not even sure the NBA players when you have 15 men rosters in the NBA. That requires paying the man a little bit extra. So I feel like that's what happened with the additional draft compensation. So people were just, you know, up in arms. They're only getting Steven Adams from OKC. But as we're going to get into, he's a fine addition, probably actually excellent, as we'll soon see. But, yeah, th this was one complicated deal. And a guy I follow on NBA Twitter, as I know probably Fish does and maybe a few others, he's a salary cap enthusiast, Albert Nahmad. And he said basically this is one of the best trades he's ever seen. Like, it's going to go down as one of his favorites just because of how complicated it was to execute it. So hats off, really, right, guys, to David Griffin and the whole Pelicans front office, all their capologists. Well, first, let's kind of get you guys' thoughts. Yeah, A, on, on Griff working this deal, and B, that return, which is essentially the player capital. The picks are fine. We've, we've discussed the picks. But let's talk about the player capital of Eric Bledsoe and um, Steven Adams. That's what we know are in pocket for the Pelicans. Um, Kevin, I'll, I'll let you go first on that. Yeah, well, I mean, if you guys remember the last time we talked about the Drew Holiday trade on this podcast, we are throwing out ideas of what we could do with those picks and those players to acquire other players to build out this roster. And I suggested a Steven Adams trade. Mine was slightly different. It was Bledsoe and 24 and Darius for Steven Adams. Um, but so I was really high on the addition of Steven Adams. Um, you know, he solves a lot of the problems that the Pelicans had last year. Uh, he's a defensive rebounding monster. He's selfless. He's a good playmaker. He's, he's super physical in the paint. He's, you know, a deter a rim deterrent for sure. Um, and, you know, he's a hardworking real culture guy that should really help that big man group. Um, and then also he, he's shooting, uh, one, 100% from three in the Smoothie King Center. Also, if you remember <laughs> that from last season. Um, and then, um, you know, I preferred George Hill to Eric Bledsoe. Um, but, you know, I, I understand that it didn't work out that way um, for us to keep Hill. and We kept Bledsoe instead. But Bledsoe is a fine player. I used to want to – there was several times throughout his career I wrote trade pieces to try to get him. And I was initially very excited – when the news was breaking about um, the Chris Paul trade to the Clippers, because 
we heard that Dell Demps was trying to get Eric Bledsoe, and I was high on him at that point. Um, he's never been a good shooter. Uh, he is a guy that attacks the rim, which is something we also need from the point guard position. Uh, he plays solid defense. Uh, he had a really good year defensively last season. Um, but, you know, he, he can run an offense, but he's not a dynamic playmaker. But as we've seen from um, Stan Van Gundy's system, you don't really need that. You know, he, he ran a system with a very successful system with Jameer Nelson running the point, who is a solid player, but, you know, you don't think of as a dynamic creator. Um, so I think he can work and still could possibly be a trade chip for later on. But for now, he's a very serviceable point guard. So I think they, they did very well, especially, you know, considering the picks that they're getting back as well. Fish, the interior presence that Adams provides, um, you know, certainly Derek Favors numerically was his impact was undeniable, but it, it just physically he just wasn't able to do it on a night to night basis. Adams is a guy whose body is, is, is a rock. He's, he's just a physical presence. Um, what does that mean for a front court that really needed it? Oh, I mean, we've been talking about how Stan Van Gundy's um, school for wayward defenders um, is about to accept its first entrance. And I, I guess you could call um, Stephen Adams. He's going to be a professor emeritus there <laughs> um, because he's th- there's going to be a lot of learning. And not only that, I mean, when you're talking about physical presence, one of the things I'm hoping happens is that he teaches Zion Williamson how to set a screen not just how to look like you're going to set a screen and then slip it with no contact like this is how you set a screen and you still roll to the rim and you got your guard an advantage in the meantime you're just not worried about you know getting your butt to the block as quickly as possible so uh, he's gonna I mean he's been it's weird because Steven Adams is only 27 years old, but he was drafted by the Thunder and immediately the Thunder were on the national stage and kind of remained there for such a long time that he's been in the basketball conscience for so long that it doesn't feel like he should only be 27. If Honestly, when I looked him up, I expected him to be 30. Not even, not even joking whatsoever. I expected he was going to be thirty, and I was going to be like, "Ooh, man!" It's, but no, he's twenty-seven. I mean, he just finished his twenty, his age twenty-six season. He is one of the leaders in the NBA. I was looking up this um, tonight before we started. One of the leaders in the NBA in contested rebounds, which means he's just not getting the cheap rebounds. He's getting the the rebounds where other bodies are actually attempting to get it too. You see a lot of guys rack up big rebound numbers and they're not, they're not getting the rebound over somebody. It's somebody else had blocked out. And so now the rebound has fallen to you or you're chasing the rebound down, you know, in a corner and there's, there's no opponents or teammates in that area. Those aren't the kind of rebounds that Steven Adams specializes in Um, on both sides of the court. um, I saw a stat um, someone had tweeted. He has like, twice as many rebounds off of misses on free throws than any other player in the league. Now, part of that might be. Yeah. I'm so glad you're talking about this. (laughs) Um, Part of that might be, you know, the fact that some of the free throw shooters on the team, when that stat was pulled are, are 
are horrendous. So you have, more <laughs> you, you have more opportunities, but still, I mean, and if you think that's how many rebounds he's getting, how many times is he getting tips or something else like that? And someone else is getting the rebound. So those were the, the things that really jump out to me. One, the screening. I hope, you know, that he teaches the screening Two, the rebound, his, his contested rebound rate when he's getting challenged balls um, from, from the opponent is going to be a, a godsend for this team. And third, uh, you have to talk about when we're talking about, for instance, his pairing with Westbrook previously, how he had relatively terrible rebounding numbers when he was playing with Westbrook, but Oklahoma City as a team had superb defensive rebounding, and that's because he was still doing his job. Because that dude boxes out like a maniac. And just that, like one of the things we didn't see a lot with the Pelicans last year was we didn't get to see a lot of Zion gets the defensive rebound and then pushes the ball up the floor. Mm -hmm. Think about what those OKC teams did when Russell Westbrook was still there. And how much of that was predicated on the fact that Steven Adams does his job and physically keeps the the most primary threat to get offensive rebounds on the other team, the other team center away so that Russell Westbrook could come in and snag relatively uncontested rebounds. Zion Williamson is going to have a chance to do that a lot more. Lonzo ball. Exactly. Both of those guys are going to get the chance to get rebounds and then press, press the advantage against a defense that's not set. That's something that Steven Adams is going to bring on this team. So, just just in that, and I mean, Oklahoma City's been a top 10 defense for a long time consistently, and the one constant on that was Steven Adams in the middle. So I, I think it individually, he is a superb addition to the team. I'm, I'm really excited to see how they're going to work him in. Um, but the physicality, his his ability to lead, he's a really vocal guy. Everything that I've read, he's a great interview, which is going to be good for you guys if press is ever allowed in the locker room again at this rate or, you know, interviews on Zoom. So it's it's an exciting time as a Pelicans fan right now. Yeah, he, Stephen Adams is a great interview. I'll tell you that just having gotten to speak with him, when he isn't, uh, when he's has been in town with Oklahoma City, he he's just one of the most interesting guys in the entire league. Um, Ali, the one thing that people have been worried about is it looks like you know the starting lineup of guards is going to be Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo Ball. I don't think that there's a problem with those two playing together, uh, particularly defensively when you want to have those guys at the point of the attack funneling towards Adams as a deterrent and getting improvement from Zion and Ingram. I think this can work. Um, what are your thoughts on Bledsoe being here in the backcourt? My first reaction was one of worry. And I, if anybody noticed my Twitter feed this morning when I was advocating, hey, we got to move him, because I like it less than I did Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball. But you know what? I think you're right for the most part, because it's almost like a template of what they did last year that was pretty darn successful before the bubble, right? When they finally got Zion back in the lineup, Derek Favors was next to him. I don't think they had too much spacing issues, except for maybe, you know, against the better teams. Like, I, clearly, you remember Milwaukee, right? The Pelicans struggling to get 
anything going to the rim for Zion and the shooters weren't able to get good clean looks. But, you know, that's a top three, maybe best defense we saw all year last year. Same thing against the Lakers. So you have to like that you're replacing Drew Holiday. He's not a good three-point shooter who can get his own shot. That's one thing people need to know. One of the best things Eric Bledsoe is good at is creating for himself in isolation. He graded in the 85th percentile. I'm going to list probably a lot of stats because I was over at B-Ball Index looking at what they have uh, in all these three players, Bledsoe, Hernan Gomez, and Steven Adams. Also, what I didn't know that I think Bledsoe is going to bring to the team is he's a very good scorer in pick and rolls. You know, he graded in the 81st percentile. And with Steven Adams, who's one of the best screeners, as Fish has already mentioned, I think that's going to bode well for Stan Van Gundy-led team because that's what he always liked to do until like his last year or two in Detroit, we started implementing more motion. So I think that's going to really work out well. He graded, guys, get this, 97% time playmaking. So I guess he's a much better playmaker than we all kind of give him credit for because he's efficient, right? I think that's what that means when you have an overall um, just a grade for playmaking in general. It's not being able just to create whenever. So I, I just think that as a secondary playmaker, he's going to be darn good for when either Brandon Ingram or Zion need help or if one of them may be off the floor. And here's the third thing that I found real interesting about Eric Bledsoe. Get this. He's a terrible catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. And everybody thinks yes. he's he's just a bad three-point shooter overall. But 83rd percentile pull-up three-point shooting, which is now kind of in vogue in the NBA. That's what they're trending towards, especially coming off screens. Those are the shots that are usually available. So I, I find that very interesting. And lastly, you've got to mention he's smart. He takes smart shots. That's something that's always kind of gotten on our nerves, especially with Alvin Gentry's led teams, right? So with Stan Van Gundy coming in, you know he's going to have the clamps on or at least, you know, be more controlled. But with Bledsoe, you're not going to have to worry about it. So, you know, overall, I like him a lot more than I thought. You know, he's great defensively. One of the best on-ball defenders, especially when he's guarding opposing point guards, I read. When he starts getting matched up against bigger wings, he starts struggling a little bit. But as far as Steven Adams replacing Derek Favors, my goodness, I think that's where – you know, last year's starting lineup and the, their good numbers for the most part are really going to improve that much more. You know, we saw Favors' mobility. It just wasn't the same as in Utah. So I know Steven Adams, he's not a fast guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I think one, I think he's actually maybe smarter, but number two, he's just more physical and more mobile. So you put that whole package together, I think, boy, the rim deterrence, it's going to be there. On top of everything Fish said, I think we got to talk about how Stan Van Gunny is going to be able to really shut down the paint like he wanted to, like we've heard, you know, in just a few interviews we've had so far. Yeah, and just to give folks a reminder, like Stan Van Gundy has worked top five offenses with um, Damon Jones getting big minutes at the point, with Keon Dooling mm-hmm. getting big minutes at the point. Um, you know, Bimbo Cole. Michael Petras on the wing. He had some questionable yeah, wing too. He's had some very, very um, – underwhelming point guards playing for him. Rafer Alston, who was good, but not, I would say, you, we'd all say Eric Bledsoe was better than Rafer Alston. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there have been, Stanley Gundy has gotten the most out of guards who we would say have a limitation because his offense does create those opportunities for you to take the best shot for you. And I think the thing is, too, is that we've always wanted to see is 
Out of Drew, we didn't see that driving to the lane all the time. I think Bledsoe will be more aggressive going downhill mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. And because of the discussion we'll get to probably in a moment, Lonzo not – people being so concerned about his title at point guard, it's, that's not what's important. It's not the title. It's how you are utilized within the offense. And we know that Lonzo can still be a facilitator in the half court without having to handle the basketball. That's fine. I think people get caught up on calling him the point guard when really it's about are you facilitating, are you doing the things that's being asked of you? And he's going to be asked to do the same things. Create scoring opportunities for people, hit the open shot, and play good defense. He's not going to be asked to do anything that we're not expecting him to do. Uh, Fish, you want to comment on that before we move to the next thing? Well, um, just to kind of double down on what Ollie had said. So Drew Holiday last season shot around 34, 35% on mm-hmm. pull-up threes. Eric Bledsoe was closer to 39% on pull-up threes. And Lonzo Ball on pull-up threes was like 31%. It was it was mm-hmm. a disaster. Um, another thing, um, when we're talking about um, Bledsoe and, and what he's going to bring, he led – Milwaukee last year in drives with the 708 drives and on those 708 drives he only turned over the ball 58 times that's impressive um so now he doesn't he doesn't draw a lot of personal fouls on that either but when he decides to shoot he was shooting 55 percent from the from the floor when he was shooting on drives so Eric Bledsoe, 708 drives. To give you an idea of – now, I, I believe that um, Drew will probably have more drives than that. Yeah, Drew had 895 drives last year. But Lonzo Ball only had 359. So what he's going to do – but even like going back to Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday had more drives last year. Um but he was shooting at a much lower percentage. He was only shooting 47%, well, just under 48%, while um, Eric Bledsoe, when he was driving, was shooting up over 55%. So he's converting at a much, much higher rate. Um, So I don't think the Pelicans have lost as much as you might think going from Drew Holiday to Eric Bledsoe. Um, But I think what they... they're losing something in the fact that Eric Bledsoe is not as good of an overall basketball player compared mm-hmm. to Drew Holiday. But I think the Pelicans gain in that same respect because it means you put more of the pressure on Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. It's their team now. They're, they're the, I mean, there's nobody else in the building. Like Zion Williamson is the most tenured New Orleans Pelican at this point. Like he's been with the franchise the longest of any of the other guys in the in the room. Like they have completely burned it down and rebuilt it anew in the span of two off seasons. So now, I mean, those young guys need to understand that they need to grab the reins of leadership, both in the locker room, but then even more importantly on the court in crunch time. And while that might not necessarily equal wins this season, they need to fail to learn, and then it it pays dividends down the road. Real quick, Kevin, like Kevin talk. Yeah. I just want to let, mention the three things that I think Bledsoe's markedly worse than Drew Holiday. 
Number one, he's a much worse rebounder on both sides of, uh, of uh, the half court line. Second thing, he's not nearly as versatile of a defender. You know, you saw Drew matching up with really good small forwards and having success often enough, even some bigs. Bledsoe can't do that. And number three, he's a poor mover off the ball. So basically, if he's not on the ball and he's not moving, and then he's just out there basically in catch-and-shoot position, which he's, he's terrible at, that's going to maybe be a little bit worrisome at times. But again, I'm sure they'll mitigate that somehow. But had to toss it out there. Go ahead, Kev, mm-hmm. if you've got something to add. I already talked about him, so I'm good. Yeah, Ke- okay. Kevin, I just want – for you, I wanted to give you a chance on um, – like, I, I prefer – I preferred Juan Hernan Gomez, but he re-signed with uh, uh, Minnesota. So we get his brother, um, Willie Hernan Gomez from Charlotte. I heard it's pronounced Billy, by the way. I don't know if that's right. Well, Somebody told me that today. It's pronounced The other Hernan Gomez brother, we'll, we'll figure it out. But, <laughs> um, definitely a solid defensive player, not a stretch big. Um, that hasn't shown the ability to shoot from deep so far, but adds that physical presence on the inside. Does he uh, present a legitimate challenge to Jackson Hayes for minutes as the second big off the bench? I mean, I think he definitely does. I mean, the things that we talked about uh, with Hayes, you know, he is a great physical specimen. Um, He's super raw. There's potential there. But mindset-wise, he's just um, really immature and not focused, um, you know, and that's one of the biggest issues. And this year will be, I think, the test of what his career path is going to be, at least for the next few years. Because if he doesn't change his mindset and his approach to the game, it's not going to be tolerated under Stan Van Gundy, and especially with guys like Steven Adams and Willie Hernan Gomez in the locker room. Um, because these are the guys that do the things that you want from Jackson Hayes. And if Jackson Hayes would do the things these guys did and approach the game the way they did, he would be an incredible player because he's much more physically gifted in terms of athleticism and size, you know, outside of strength with Adams, you know, Adams obviously is much stronger. Um, But, you know, it's going to really, I think, dictate the future of Jackson Hayes in in this, uh, on this team. And I honestly would not necessarily be surprised if he was shipped out before the season or by the deadline to add wing depth on this team, which is obviously lacking with these two guys in fold um, because they, you know, they do what you want. They rebound, they play defense. I mean, if you look at um, um, Hernan Gomez's rebounding rates, I, I, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I remember there was like one year he, he had a 34% defensive rebound rate, which is insane. Um, you know, so these guys are rebounding, setting screens, defending the rim, which is really all we really need from a center. Um, he just needs to be that guy that doesn't get in the way on offense and doesn't let people score and gets the ball back. Um, and those two guys do that. So if Jackson isn't focused and isn't doing that, then he's definitely going to see his minutes drop and possibly see his way out of town. Fish, one of the things, Fish, one of the things that Stan Van Gundy said was that Closing possessions was of the utmost importance to him. Hernan Gomez is certainly a guy who's been known to do that. Um, what are your thoughts? You, you posted his, re, his, his advanced numbers, his per 100 numbers as well today. Um, your thoughts on him? I mean, he's serviceable. He's not great. Um, the thing is, is that since he's already been around the league for 
you know, four seasons. Mm-hmm. One of the things is he's he's not going to be a space cadet on defense. Not not that he's going to be great on defense, but he's going to execute to to a reasonable level. And then we know he's going to attack the defensive glass. I mean, that's that's where he's hung his hat since he came in with the Knicks. So, I mean, when when you think about what are Jackson Hayes' greatest weaknesses, generally being in the right spot defensively and then defensive rebounding. And I think when you <clears throat> when you see where Jackson's greatest weaknesses are and then you think about the things that Stan Van Gundy is going to stress, you, 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 you walk your way very quickly into – Hernan Gomez has a great chance at taking minutes from uh, from Jackson Hayes. Um, I do have terrible news um, for Kevin, which is that his dream wing is <laughs> going to Tampa Bay um, to play with the uh, Tampa Bay Raptors, DeAndre <laughs> Bembry. Um, so, but I mean, I'm still in the same boat with. Jackson Hayes, I don't think you you can't look at the signing and say that the Pelicans are signing Hernan Gomez in in the hopes that he does take minutes from right. Jackson Hayes. I mean, he's he's still a marginal, you know, a marginal seven foot NBA big man, whereas Jackson Hayes does have these incredibly enticing tools. But I mean, going all the way back to when the Pelicans drafted Jackson Hayes, our initial response was he was absolutely massive in college and he had a terrible defensive rebounding rate. What should lead us to believe that he's going to come in and play against grown men and suddenly have a desire to grab defensive rebounds. And what we saw from him this year is that he's still that same guy. And secondly, that NBA defense is really complicated to him and he's, he's a cat chasing the liar a laser pointer out there. So, um, I mean, but that's more just my general feel of Jackson Hayes since he got on the team. Well, let's go ahead and transition then to where the Let me just say one thing real quick, David. Yeah, yeah. 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 One thing I like when I was looking at video real quick, I love how he competes on both ends of the ball and he sticks to what he knows, apparently, kind of like Enos Cantor. So I kind of like that role for him maybe coming off the bench against bigger front lines. But here's the bigger point I want to make. We don't really know exactly what he may be capable of when you consider he's played for the Knicks for one and a half years and the Charlotte Hornets for two and a half. Mm -hmm. You got to wonder if Stan Van Gundy could possibly get something more out of him because, as you guys mentioned, great rebounder. And by looking at the numbers, he's actually a much better rim deterrence than uh, I think a lot of people know. 84th percentile. For instance, Stephen Adams, 92nd. So I think that's really good. And, you know, it, it can it get more out of his playmaking, maybe guarding out in the perimeter in a pinch, basically doing stuff that Stephen Adams can do. I don't know. But, again, I think it's important to point out when a player is going from a bad team to maybe a much better environment that they can show improvement just for that reason alone. And he's also a good passer. Um, that's that's one thing you didn't mention. Um, he's a big man that can pass. I mean, he has very respectable assist rates, um, considering the fact that he's, you know, 
the undeniable fifth option when he well, gets he's way better than Hayes. Floor. Yeah, no doubt. But I don't think he's um, nearly in the class of uh, Adams. That's all. Oh no, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm okay. not saying that. I'm saying compared to gotcha. most NBA big men that you would say you're bringing this guy in and you expect him just to rebound the hell out of the ball and hopefully be in the right spot with his arms up defensively. Um, he can he can pass on the offensive end as well. He's already shown that. And I mean, he's still young. I mean, he's only 26. And that's another thing we need to talk about with the Pelicans is the fact um, they have a grand total of three players on the team that are over 30. And one of them is Nicolo Melli. So, I mean, Redick, Bledsoe, and Nicolo Melli are over 30 and everyone else on the team is 27 and younger. It's a very young team, but, I mean, a lot of those guys have a lot of NBA seasons under their belt. And all three of those guys come off the cap at the end of next, this season. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you. so all of them are either. Wait, know, I think Bledsoe's got another year, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah he Bledsoe has one another more. year. Yeah, but, but. Oh, that's right. Bledsoe has one more. That's right. But he, he's still, they're all, let's just say they're all in enticing contract mm-hmm. situations should you have to move them. Mm-hmm. All three of those guys could be moved. Very oh my God, Bledsoe's seventeen million is so tradable. When you've seen yeah. what we've seen so far, this uh, free agency, Horford got yeah. moved. I mean, who else? Isn't the yeah. final year of his contract is only like four million of it is guaranteed? I believe. Yeah, very small portion yeah. of it is guaranteed. That's awesome. So, yeah, the, the Pelicans are in a very good position there. I think um, Fish, go ahead and, and and kind of give an update on where they are cap wise because the one hole that we all still feel that needs to be addressed is on that wing. The Pelicans have not added any length of, or a defender or a three and D guy, whatever you wanted at that position yet. So let's talk about where they are financially and then we'll get into the options that they do have there. Okay. So where the Pelicans are financially right now, and I'm just going to throw on two minimum salaries onto what, what we have. I am assuming that Brandon Ingram's maximum extension is eventually um, finalized and reported and everything. So I'm just going to pencil him in there. Um, but if you just, and this only brings the Pelicans up to 14 players on the roster, not 15. Okay. If the Pelicans just sign two more guys at a minimum, they're going to be $475,000 underneath the tax. This team is not a surefire playoff team as currently constructed. We can, I, I believe yeah. we can agree mm-hmm. on that. I agree. Um, and so, I mean, hypothetically, could they use their um, exceptions? Could they use the mid-level exception or the biannual exception? Yes. Do I expect them to do that? No, I don't, because I don't think, even though I, I, I believe we have every reason to believe that Gail Benson is – you know, fully committed to giving the team whatever is necessary. I also don't think that David Griffin is going to come to her and say, hey, let's go into the luxury tax for a team that might be competing for the play-in slot in the 10th in the tenth spot after 72 games when we're probably not going to have fans in the arena or many fans in the arena. So with that, I mean, you really have to look at it that the Pelicans are probably going to sign two minimum guys one of those minimum guys that they signed might be somebody who was completely undrafted so that he'll be at the, at the rookie, you know, minimum at, at a very low number compared to the two year. Um, and that's, that's one of the things trading and accepting those big 
salaries of Steven Adams, almost $30 million after his trade kicker kicks in. Um, and Eric Bledsoe at almost $17 million. They, they liquefied their short-term flexibility for this season. Um, so that leads me to believe at least one of those guys, the Pelicans are planning on having on the team beyond this season. Well, I mean, with Adams, at the very least, you'd figure that you can extend him and get value for him down the road. Like I said, he's only 27. You could see him staying with this team for four or five more years if he's happy to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, Bledsoe would be the far more unlikely of the two to me to stay, Mm -hmm. considering his age and his desire, hey, I want to get a championship. I don't want to hang around here for three more years and try to figure that out. Yeah, one thing we got to mention too is we don't honestly know his mindset going from Milwaukee to Los to here, right? I mean, I've kind of we kind of brought it up in the DM chat as soon as it happened, but you know, we're not 100% sold he's going to have full buy-in, right? I mean, we should maybe hope it's there, but can we fully 100% expect it? I don't, don't want to be could. here. I don't think he could cuz I think you know, why again, you go from a team that was favored to win the championship for 2 years. And you're going to all of a sudden go backwards to a team that could be fighting again to get into a play-in situation in the Western Conference, which is far harder. And you're watching all these guys jump to teams right now. who And there are certainly spots where you'd feel like, oh, I could definitely help that team win a championship. He's got to feel like that right now. And, yeah, I think he would. I, I, I wouldn't want to stay in New Orleans. And that's not a slight to New Orleans. It's just if I'm going on 31, and you ask me where would I rather be a contender or playing for the Pelicans? I say a contender. I'll, Anybody else want to add anything? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just say I, I, I mean, I understand all, all those arguments are very valid, um, but I also see a world where he knows he's a very movable contract, and he knows that um, he's going to put up a lot of stats. Like you said, he's a great pick and roll player. He's going to run pick and roll with Zion Williamson and Steven Adams. You know, he could have a career year here and then transition that into either a championship caliber team pursuing him in in the trade market or just getting accolades. You know, maybe he could become an all-star. Maybe he could uh, become, um, you know, first team all defense or something like that because of, the structure of this team and the opportunity he's going to have to run what he does best with guys that fit what he does. Um, and, you know, maybe it'll be fun and maybe he'll buy in that way, or maybe he'll just play really hard to get to the next destination because he sees the opportunity that he has here because of the players around him as well, you know? Um, did, so was, sorry, did, did he sit out? Did he sit out? Is he the one who sat out in Phoenix? When they had he, the didn't, guard, guard. he didn't sit out in Phoenix, but one that um, he was the guy who tweeted um, that he doesn't want to be here. Yeah, get me um, out of here or something. Yeah, yeah I don't want to be so, here. So, and and that was, I mean, that was when when he tweeted that. That was right after they had blown up the the three point guard lineup. Like they won forty, they won forty eight games one season. With mm-hmm. uh with a three point guard of, Dragic, Isaiah and Bledsoe. Correct. Um and they just missed out on the playoffs. And then the 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 GM decides, oh, we're gonna change things up. And then it was just a steady decline 
from there um, as they made honestly bad decision after bad decision. He, I mean, we've only seen Eric Bledsoe on one team that was bad, the Phoenix Suns. And before the season started or like right as the season started, he tweeted out, I don't want to be here. And he's represented by an agency who over other agencies is the best known for their, their clients taking a a scorched earth um, approach to making sure that they get where they, where they want to be. And I, I mean, I, I, as someone who would, prefer to advocate on behalf of the players by all means. I mean, try to work the place that you, that you, that you want to work, try to try to work in the, you know, with the coworkers that you want to work, try to work in a situation that makes the most sense for you. But when you think about all of that, is is this a situation where Eric Bledsoe is going to be happy? I don't think Eric Bledsoe cares about building his trade value. Like that, that's not something I think that, that a, that a player cares about at this point. I mean, his next contract is in, in two or three years. He, I mean, he might be looking at, at this, like, no, I need to go someplace else. I'm sure someplace else will either give me, um, give me the role where I can pile up big numbers because he's not going to pile up any big, really bigger numbers than he piled up when he was in Milwaukee. He's still going to come on the floor and be, you know, the third 18, five and five. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to pile up big numbers. You don't get all-star games or all defensive teams when you play on bad on, when you play on bad teams for, for no other reason. Look at the fact that Eric Bledsoe was second team, all defense last year. And Drew Holiday was not, even though a lot of people would tell you Drew Holiday is a better individual defender than Eric Bledsoe. Part of the reason that Eric Bledsoe ends up on the second team all all defensive team is because he was playing on the best defensive team in the NBA. And that, I mean, accolades follow winning in, in this league. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 there should be no reason to expect he's going to somehow get accolades on this team and they won't win. Um, he might get accolades if they do win, but the players that are going to, you know, reap the greatest rewards of that will be Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. So uh, it, it is difficult for me looking at this from Eric Bledsoe's perspective that this makes good sense for his career short-term or long-term. And if I was him or his agent, I would be trying to see if can, you know, do the Clippers need me? I, I've, I've played in that organization before under Vinny Del Negro. I mean, it's got to be a better place now. Um, or can you get me to a big city or can you, can you route me to Miami? That that's a place where his kind of, you know, tough nosed um, basketball style might fit in really well. Um, I, it's, it's difficult for me to see a situation where Eric Bledsoe just says, well, the best thing for me right now is just to be as professional as possible. And I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to give him my hundred percent. And I'm sure the, the rewards will follow. I, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me when, you know, you're, especially with the way he plays that he's, he's sacrificing himself physically to, to a great degree. All right, listen up fellas, because today we have a new manscaped product alert. 
Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker, nose and ear hair trimmer. Take a look in the mirror. I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven pubes. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Have you ever pulled your nose hair out with your fingers? Ouch, that might hurt worse than nicking your balls. Yes, you will get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the Weed Whacker. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Thanks, Manscaped, for keeping our pubes trimmed and hairs in our holes looking nice. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. What are you waiting for? Go whack those weeds. The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might now be at a game this year. Either way, you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ollie, I'll give you the last word on that one. Oh, um, sorry. I was playing with my dog, so we will move on. I don't even know what Fish was just talking about the last few minutes. Sorry. Okay, then. I had um, to let him outside, so I walked off. No, that's fine. The that's room. fine. Okay, so what we'll do then is um, – I know Kevin has a list of players that he wants to talk about on the wing, but I, that'll be addressed. Like the more I'm looking at the questions that we got, we'll definitely get through it through these questions. Okay. So let's just go ahead and do that since um, we can get all that in and not be too long tonight since it's a Sunday and folks got to go to work. Um, so the first one is from Nola go sports. How is everyone coping with the increasing likelihood that Frank <laughs> Jackson comes back on a cheap deal? Um, Kevin, I thought that your GIF, uh, GIF, whatever, um, was the perfect one because, yes, I, I am not uh, pleased at the thought of Frank coming back. Uh, I don't think they even need him at this point. We've got plenty of guards and, and combo guards. You, do you want to articulate your feeling? Yeah, I mean, I don't see I don't I don't see a reason to bring him back, even though he was here you know I mean it's a whole new coaching staff it's not like you're trying to maintain continuity you have so many better guards above him and other guys that you want to develop above him and he can't play any other position so he doesn't really help you he can't dribble he can't pass he can't shoot he can kind of defend um I you know there's really no reason to bring him back so I don't even think I mean why not take a chance on somebody that that is over six foot five to instead of bringing back a known commodity that has not produced in the years that you've had him. Yeah. We'll, we'll just move past that. And, and yes, since it was teased <laughs> in the thing, we have to close the book on Kenrich Williams since he was signing trade. Uh, he was part of the sign and trade and sent to Oklahoma city. Look, I'm, I'm not going to have this, this thing where people keep talking about how if Kenrich, the injuries were the thing that held him back. No, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this because his skill just, I'm, he's so replaceable. And on this roster right now, 
if he were still on the roster, you wouldn't play him. He would not crack your top 11. So I don't see where anybody gets on this thing lamenting the loss of Kenrich Williams. Anybody else want to add anything to that? Nope. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, people see the obvious hole in the roster, right? Six, seven guy that can defend threes, four, but I think he was an overrated defender. We've said it on numerous occasions. And he didn't really have a skill set. I mean, outside of rebounding, maybe having a little bit of a nose for the ball, he didn't really do anything else for you. And boy, it felt like as the, lo- the longer he stayed here, with each passing game, the worse his three-point shot got, right? His mm-hmm. confidence just completely vanished. So I don't understand why you even need to bring a Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. A guy like that back, or, or wanted to bring a guy like that back, but we don't have to talk about it any further. Right. <clears throat> All right, we got a question from uh, Tessier Thibault from France, which is cool, um, who's been listening to us. And he says, what's your feeling about the offseason so far? And how about Nicholas Batum? on the mm. roster um Ali, i'll let you go with that one first i like it yeah i mean i think a lot of us do i know fish i think has included it in his many lists but look getting a vet on the wing that is a great playmaker when you put him next to weapons right lonzo's three-point shooting of course bi and zion feels like a good fit but the best thing about batum is he's six foot eight and can still defend so as long as he can stay healthy i think that would be a big boon to this roster get a high IQ guy, a vet, who still defends for Stan Van Gundy. I mean, honestly, I think he might be my top choice that's left out there for, you know, David Griffin to add if he's really, truly wanting to pile up some wins this year. Fish, um, before I let Kevin go over, take over, uh, what are your thoughts on Batum as a potential addition? Well, um, we don't know if Batum is completely available yet. Because supposedly Charlotte and Boston are working out, talking through that they might find a way to do some kind of sign and trade. But if he's waived, he's already paid. And so then he's either looking for a ring or he's looking for a role. 
And I think the Pelicans can offer a very compelling role for him um, on this roster. Um, he, he would be, I mean, he would be my choice, honestly, to be the team's reserve power forward. And I'd slide him ahead of Melly um, quite easily. And I would, you know, when you want to do the small ball lineups with um, with Zion at the five, he would be the natural power forward in those kind of lineups. Um, the He's a guy who I think has been, he got that massive contract and he hasn't lived up to it, but people, and people just judge him on on that and not the fact he's still a good basketball player he's just overpaid and if he, his next contract if he if he does happen to be waived he won't be overpaid and he'll be in a in a role more appropriate to his skill set at this point and and in that kind of skill set like we saw um, when he used to be in portland i think he's he's a he's a very very good basketball player he can do a lot of things for you in terms of distributing he has a massive wingspan he's a he's a plus rebounder and um his shot has kind of left him but if you know he gets back into into the groove and maybe slotting him in the correct role um helps him get there um he he would be a great great addition if he becomes available so kevin i'm gonna let you run wild with this one because british basketball burner is asking which wing player, and I'll just go ahead and let it be players, do you think are attainable because we have no depth there? I think Ingram is the only true wing. So, Kevin, it is yours. Well, um, first off, Ingram is not the only wing. I mean, you got to consider Josh Hart one. And then, you know, you already touched on the idea of Lonzo not really having a position. You know, you could kind of consider Lonzo Ball being the Taysom Hill of the Pelicans. You know, he just is whatever you need him to be and he can pass the ball sometimes you know um like that's uh so there is like three solid players that you can play on the wing there on on this roster already i had put together a nice presentation for you about deandre bimbry but the raptors ruined that for me because he was my number one guy um but you know uh, i did like the tomb uh he looks a little bit too much like mr bean to me but i do like him <laughs> As a player, I think, you know, his career totally fell apart once going to Charlotte, but we know how those things are. He had injury issues and then he was just on a bad team with bad management for for quite a while. Um, so he could be a reclamation project that I do believe in, um, especially, you know, on a, on a cheap deal. Um, other guys, you know, um, winning Gabriel is a guy that I like a lot. And I know Ollie likes him a lot. I, he played for Portland last year and he got some really nice minutes in the bubble, did a pretty good job defending Anthony Davis. He's a little bit more of a, he, you know, he's like a tweener guy, but he's more leans more towards the power forward side, which is okay. Because like I said, we, I think we have three guys that fill that wing role already. Um, but he can give you that, that back reserve, um, the reserve four role. You can you can even play some, some center, uh, he's he's really big. He's he's athletic. He's not incredible offensively, but he seems to be a very smart defensive basketball player and gets in position really well. Um, then you know you have guys like uh, Glenn Robinson, Damian Dotson out there. Um, but there's another guy that I'm interested in, um, and I don't know how attainable he is, 
uh, is Will Clyburn. He's he plays uh, for CSKA Moscow, which of course is where Trajan Langdon played. So there's ties there. Um, he's thir- he's 30 years old. He's a small forward, power forward, tweener guy. Um, they run a motion offense there. He shot 39% from three last season. He's 72% career free throw shooter. Um, 81% on 5.8 attempts in the EuroLeague last year. Um, he rebounds well. Um, he led the league in defensive rebounds in, in 2018, 2019. Um, he's had five seasons in top 10 in free throw attempts. Um, he, the, the only issues with him is he just signed an extension last offseason, which the first year he wasn't an NBA. They don't, there was not an NBA buyout clause in it. Um, but I think in this year he can opt out and join the NBA. Um, also, he's 30 and he's coming off an ACL tear, but he tore that ACL in October of 2019. So it's already over a year of coming back from that. Um, so with our training staff and with him not necessarily needing to contribute a whole lot early on, because we already have those guys on the wings. I do think that he's an interesting prospect to consider bringing over from Europe. Um, I don't know if you guys have any other ideas, but there's a lot of just slim pickings. If you don't get into the trade market, which, Right now, it's very hard for us to get into the trade market because that means, you know, moving probably Bledsoe or maybe even Jackson Hayes because those are the only guys that have, like, some sort of salary that's going to bring you back uh, something worthwhile that you can play with. And I don't know if it's necessarily worth it um, when you already have Ingram, Hart, and Lonzo Ball to kind of play those that sort of role on, on the edge. I have a name. And he's a, he would be a very low-cost, um, potentially high-reward guy. Um, Malcolm Miller uh, from Toronto. He has not gotten a ton of time. He's 26 years old. But he's 6'7", and in his career, he's shot 40% from three um, for the Raptors. 26 of 64 is his total in the NBA. Um but his advanced numbers are really good offensively. His uh, per 36 numbers are very solid. Um, in 2018, 19, his per 36, he was at, he was 18, almost 19 points a game. Uh, you know, so I think if you wanted to get some, and maybe somebody else who could knock down a shot just to bring him in and see what he looks like, I think he could be an interesting guy. Yeah. And I mean, and the Raptors just signed Bembry. So like, I think, mm-hmm. you know, he's probably gone. It sucks. Cause I had like, I really did a bunch of research on memory. I was ready to give it all to you, tell you on him, but you know, last minute I got foiled. I I mean, I think it would be interesting. I've got a couple on on Mm -hmm. my list. Um, So Ronde Hollis to mine. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Go. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Ronde Hollis Jefferson, um, who's a tweener forward, not much of a shooter, but a defender and a good rebounder. Um, He's played in Toronto most recently. Um, before that, he was in Brooklyn, um, originally from from Arizona, and just just a big, long wing too. Because I'm when I when I think about what the Pelicans need, I think about they need somebody at the power forward spot in those lineups that they want to play Zion at the five. And right now, um, their options Melly and 
Melly can't defend outside on the wing. He can't defend tweener forwards. He's he, his feet are just too slow. Um, another guy on the wing that I would look at would be Glenn Robinson, the third mm-hmm. for the Michigan fan on the uh, podcast. Um, he can <laughs> shoot. He can shoot. Pretty- he can- mm-hmm. Go ahead. Greg. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, he can, shoot, he can shoot the crap out of the ball. Um, he struggled with health lately. Um, but he might be somebody that you can get cheap. And I mean, if you get somebody like Glenn Robinson, the third on the team with the relative shallowness of the wing depth, um, there are, there are minutes to be had there. Um, And then the other guy is more of a assistant coach in waiting, which would be Courtney Lee um, 35. um, He's been around the league. Um, he, he started, actually, he was a rookie under Stan Van Gundy in Orlando. Um, he's, he's been around the league. He's a great shooter. Um, he was at one point a wing stop and defender. Now he's going to pretty much just try to hope that the veteran wiles will keep him on the floor there. But another guy beside, um, JJ Reddick that could function as a conduit between the coaching staff um, and the players. Um, he would he would make a lot of sense for the team. What do you guys think about a Noah Vonley? Because if you're saying there's somebody who could play in a small ball as a four, I think he would be an upgrade over Melly. I thought he showed a lot of good development for the Knicks. Right, a crappy team where he put up good numbers and he looked like a solid <laughs> basketball player. So. Yeah, I wouldn't mind him either. If we're looking for like a stretchy, more of a four than a three, like Kevin said, if it's not Gabriel and Giles went off the board, then yeah, Vonley could be an option. He can shoot the three, right? If I remember right, he can shoot. Yeah, he can shoot the three. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sad that Giles, I mean, he got signed for a minimum. That's insane to me. That is. The injuries, you know how it is. And and right now, it's, it's so weird. I think we would all agree that the money... For all these teams that cried poor after they lost this year and the deals that are getting thrown out to certain players, it, it just shows again that <laughs> Gordon owners Hayward. are liars. Owners are liars. The Pistons <laughs> are throwing crazy money at people. And it's the Pistons? The Pistons are throwing money? And it's, it, no, come on. Even the Lakers are throwing a lot of money at players. And it's just, I'm, I'm very surprised that the owners would do this so publicly because it just feels like this, this does not make your case that you were hurting. I feel yeah. like it's like this off, this off season has been super weird because it's like, wow, that guy got paid that much. That's crazy. It's, it's so much money for that guy. And then it's, and the other, and then it's the other extreme. Like, wow, that guy signed for 2 million or 4 million. That's insane. You know? Like it's it's weird. It's not like people are like fitting into where you would expect them to be slotted at. They're either getting overpaid or drastically underpaid. Yeah, yeah, it's strange. I don't get it. All right, let's go back to the questions. Um, a lot of hype. You know, people congratulating us for Adams. Um, yeah, that's one think- thing we got to mention, David. You mentioned real quick. I was told by at least several people that New Orleans just added 5 million new fans. Why? Because the whole country of New Zealand are huge Stephen Adams fans. So much so, I even had one of the news stations over there call me up 
asked me to do 10 minutes with them for some kind of TV bit that they have uh, wanting to do on today's broadcast. So, yeah, I, I think that can't be overlooked as suddenly the popularity of New Orleans Pelicans around the world really went up. That's great. So shout out to Brian Yates, who was the first one kind of to shout that, put a, that out on Twitter. So um, Dickie Toxin, I think we answered yours um, about the role that uh, he would play here. And Vincent Nguyen, uh, we just talked about the wing position. Uh, we talked about the contracts. Um, here's from Solomon. Uh, Solo Solomon 985. Hill? It's not Solomon <laughs> Hill, but people have actually. Is he asking about our wing guy? <laughs> bringing yeah solo trying to get a job yeah bring solo home now that you play in the finals he can be the guy look he's like i've seen David, it guys. i've been David, to the mountaintop he wants to, make sure, he wants to make sure zion doesn't look too big in the new uniforms right let me show you how to wear a tight shirt right. my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it would be cool to have solo around but not on the team hmm. <laughs> but this <laughs> solomon where do you guys have us currently seated in the West? Kevin, I'll let you go first. Oh, man, that's so tough. Uh, the it West is. Is, so, is so good right now. Like, you know, even like you look at what Minnesota's been doing this offseason, and Portland has had a great offseason. Uh, the, the Mavericks are – I'd say, you know, it's going to be a cop-out, but I, I'm going to say we're anywhere from the 7th to the 11th seed. And because I think it again at the end of the season, it's all going to be muddled up between seven and eleven again this year. Is that the consensus? Because that's where I would say it too. I've got three teams that may probably finish underneath the Pelicans, where I, I'd feel comfortable betting on it: Timberwolves, Kings, and the Spurs. Other than that, no. Yes, Nobody so that else. Put you right in that range. That puts you seven to twelve. Right. We still can see the Rockets get blown up, right? Either, you know, right. they implode or they move somebody. But, but the, the thing part, is, it's just, it's going to be that, it's going to be basically tiebreakers that separate some of these teams as we get to it. It's going to be like, what what was it, two seasons ago when, you know, this is the last game of the season that, you know, decided the playoffs. I think that's what it'll be this season. The team yeah, that I think could have a little bit of a setback is is the Grizzlies, just because they lost those veteran leaders on that team. Mm-hmm. Saw what they looked like in the bubble, and you know they overperformed. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be—he's not going to be back at the beginning of the season, right? Um, So I can see them taking a step back this year, but you know, long term, of course, I think they're going to be a very good team. And then you know the Suns—they, you know, what they've added um, to their their team. It's just the Suns and in Portland have really done an amazing job this offseason. Um, so that's good. Yeah, shout be- out, shout out to Etwan uh, for signing with Phoenix, um, being reunited with Monty Williams and um, going back down there. Oh, no, he didn't play for Monty. Yeah, I was about to say, Etwan I don't think he played for Monty. No, he no. was there after that, but reunited uh, with some more New Orleanians anyway, some former New Orleanians in Chris Paul. And they haven't re signed Check yet. So you could, if they re sign Check, then you could hang out with Check Diallo again. But I'm glad Etuan will get an opportunity to to play for a team that's going to compete. And I think he was underused last year. He was just caught in the numbers game. And I don't understand why they didn't move him on earlier. I think the Pelicans could have got something for him and they ended up getting nothing for him. I was surprised about that. Let me, uh, this speaking of the Suns, it makes me want to ask Fish a question. Uh, <laughs> Fish, is there any chance 
I, I don't think it's going to happen because it would put us in the tax, right? If if you could get uh, Dario Saric for the MLE, but that's um, not it, really. it would put you in the tax, and um, the the Suns already lost uh, Baines today. Mm-hmm. Um, he's that's going to Gallinari, correct? No, Gallinari went to Atlanta. Oh, that's um, right. That's right. I kept thinking he was going there. Sign, he was they did sign one like depth big, um, yeah. but um, I, I, w- I have every expectation at this point that Sarich is in their plans. Yeah, um, as, 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 as the reserve center. So, I mean, going back to the question on where the Pelicans are, like I have. I have like five teams where I'm like, that's going to be a playoff team in the West. Like I'm, I'm confident, right? Mm-hmm. The Lakers, Clippers, Portland, I feel like has had a tremendous off season. Um, they have so much depth on the wing at this point. Um, they have big men that work. Um, I, I really like their team. Um, Dallas. Um, I, I, I mean, Luka Doncic is going to be entering his third season, and he was pretty much the engine behind the best NBA offense we've seen in history. And I, I don't see anywhere that that Dallas has taken a step back. If anything, adding Richardson from Philadelphia um, for Seth Curry, um, while that that might make them a little weaker offensively, it really helps their 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 greatest weakness defensively getting themselves a, another wing stopper there between him and Dorian and Finney Smith. And then and then Denver. I mean Denver made the Western Conference Finals last year. Denver's been a top a top three team in the West for the past two seasons. While they have lost some guys, I mean they lost Jeremy Grant and Tory Craig. They have everybody else back. They brought um, Paul Millsap back on a relatively cheap deal. So those five teams are the teams that I'm like, those are locks. And then you have this big morass of teams where it's either a team has had a lot of changeover. And so you don't know precisely how it's going to fit, but you think it's going to be good. You know, Phoenix. I mean, they added Chris Paul. Um, uh, The Jazz haven't had a lot of turnover yet, but... I mean, so I, w- I would think that they would continue to be a very good regular season team. Houston, if they don't blow it up, I would expect is going to be a very good regular season team. Golden State, I mean, Golden State, we forget. Golden State, before Steph Curry got injured and before Draymond Green fully checked out as a as a professional basketball player last season, they were still terrible. When this when the season started, last, well, Steph last wasn't Steph. Remember that Steph wasn't completely Steph, but I mean they were terrible. Sure, but um, they were like now really I ex- Steph. Now it was I like expect- two guys and kids. There were like nothing but kids yeah. around them. I think everybody yeah. on the team was twenty three and, gonna- and younger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean they're they're going to have a much better and flushed out roster. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to put Wiseman in a position where he can maximize his strengths and hide his weaknesses. Everybody was like, well, I mean, is he really like top pick big man potential because he has this weakness and that weakness and this weakness. And at a golden state, they're just going to be like run, pick and rolls, dive hard, play defense, put your hands up. And Oh, by the way, when you're playing defense and put your hands up, you're going to be surrounded by a whole lot of, really veteran guys who know what they're doing 
And you're also going to have Draymond in your ear all the time telling you where you should have been. So, I mean, it, it's a pretty great situation for him. So you the have offensive the, rebounds. He's going to score. Like if yeah, the offensive, right. he's going to get points. So, I mean, you have Golden State, Houston, the Utah Jazz, Phoenix, all teams that are like, oh, we, we should be playoff teams too. But I already have five playoff teams. So we're in nine mm-hmm. now. And I haven't brought up Memphis, New Orleans, San Antonio. Mm-hmm. While San Antonio, San Antonio was rumored or rumored to have these big moves, they haven't made any big moves. So they're going to come into the season with a whole bunch of vets and Greg Popovich, and they're going to make it they're going to make it hard on NBA teams every single night because they're going to come in prepared. They're going to do their job and they're, they're going to beat teams that they have no business beating on paper because mm-hmm. if, if you come out and you do your job, you're going to beat teams that feel like that they can just walk, you know, sleepwalk past you because that's not what San Antonio is not going to sleepwalk past games. And that's one of the things that we're hoping, I guess, that New Orleans will get as well with Stan Van Gundy and the meticulous nature of his coaching is that the Pelicans aren't going to sleepwalk through games as well. But when when you talk about where the Pelicans at, if Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram are the guys that we think they are, this team makes the playoffs, period. Like if they are the guys that you think that they are. Playoffs, you mean just playing tournament or actual playoffs? Well, a play in tournament. Gotcha. Like it, okay. I yeah. mean, so it, top 10. Yeah. Yeah. Top 10, but ideally, you know, you know, somewhere eight, nine, really close to seven, like any, anywhere mm-hmm. in that. But if right. those guys are who we think that they are, and you're going to get Zion Williamson, what, for 60, 65 of the 72 games, then that's what you're hoping. That, I mean, if, if that happens, the Pelicans should make the playoffs, period. Like they will, they, they will find a way to grind it out. Um, and I'm very high on both of those guys. And it's hard to say, Oh, how are they going to get over this team or that team? And you just got to, the team has to plant their flat flag in the ground and say, these two guys are really that good. And we're going to go and we're going to make the playoffs. And you know what? Some that- teams that everybody has put, penciled in that they're going to make the playoffs. We're going to knock them out because we're going to take right. care of business against bad teams. And there's going to be enough good teams that either don't take us seriously. And we came in, we executed or good teams that thought that they were just going to walk over us or took us seriously. And then they came into the pain a couple of times and they realized that this is going to be a world of pain because Zion Williamson and Steven Adams are going to crash offensive glass. They're going to make every possession just a battle and your guards are going to be hurting and they're going to be mad at the big men because they're not calling out screens and you're just getting hammered and the big men are going to be mad because people aren't boxing out and they're just everywhere and it just it's going to be a completely different kind of basketball than we have experienced in new orleans when you look at the the roster that they have built as it is um and the coaching staff that they have the Pelicans are going to make a point to win ugly basketball games because you know what? The ball's coming off the rim and we're going to go get it. And Zion Williamson and Steven Adams are going and attacking that and, and good luck because you don't have a, there's, there's not an NBA team at this point that I look at and be like, Oh, they're, they're too big. They're just going to overwhelm new Orleans. It's, that's, that's just not going to happen now. It's it's not. I mean, Stephen Adams is an absolute just 
monster. He is enormous. He does not back down to anyone. So, and Zion Williamson, I mean, we saw in just in in just his 19 games. I mean, one of the things that jumped out at us is the fact that he went right at Stephen Adams, like with mm-hmm. absolutely no hesitation. So, I mean, I mean, good luck. The Pelicans are going to make every single game a battle. There, if you if you beat the Pelicans this year, it's not going to be because the Pelicans are tossing the ball into the stands and guys are blowing rotations and nobody's talking on defense. If if you if you want to beat the Pelicans, you're going to have to come in, and it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a war, and, so, and that's and, and so yeah, Pelicans they they have no business being a playoff team when you look at the rest of the roster. But Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, I think they're that good, and I think Zion uh, um, Stan Van Gundy is that good of a coach. They're going to make the playoffs. Hmm. Okay, so 36 like wins is what it's going to take to be 500. Since we're playing 72, so 36 wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, a lot of teams are going to be right around that, that spot in the West. It's going to be a, a lot of self cannibalization again of mm-hmm. teams, but the Pelicans, the biggest thing to them is if they're, if they're average at home, which they have not been, you know what I mean? Like that no, over the last no. four or five years, they've been a below average home team and you avoid things like double digit losing streaks or multiple, like, We've seen it over the last three, four years. The Pelicans have had more four, five-game losing streaks than any team outside of, you know, the Golden State Warriors last year. These teams have finished with 13 wins. The Pelicans do it and finish with 30-plus wins. If you eliminate that from your repertoire, these these awful October-November starts where they're already behind the eight ball and begging for the second half of the season to save them. It's it's not a big leap to make this team a six seven eight if they get their shit together. It's just, are they going to get their shit together? One thing I forgot to mention, and we all did. OKC, they're definitely going to come in the cellar fifteenth. So I totally f- forgot about that. So yeah, I like the right, Pelicans. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm penciling them in for nine or ten. Actually, the more I think about this, ten. I'm going to give them ten. I mean, it's somewhere in that range because what is yeah. that? You know what it means? It's like ten could be tied with nine, could be tied with eight, oh, or you know what yeah, I mean? Just a couple games off at the most, right? right. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, seven anywhere from seven to ten seems, yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking too. Like, just look at the NBA as a whole. Even the East is very strong now. It's like, do you remember a time where there were so many? like teams that were like good, even though that team might have a losing record, you feel like they have a lot of good players on that team. I don't remember a time like this before where even like some of the bottom teams are interesting and have quality players. Oh, Atlanta's going to be fun. I can't yeah. wait to see them. Yeah, I think the East is going to be better this year than it was last year. I think across and not just better East versus East, but I think more East teams will get sneak some wins against Western teams this year. I mean, look at like we we all kind of agree that Minnesota is going to be one of the worst teams in the West, but look at that roster; it's not bad. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's no good. NBA They're going to score, yeah. You know, even the Kings. It's not like they, you know, the Kings were there. This the Kings were there. They were in yeah. the bubble. You know what I mean? Like so, let's even if they lost a couple things. They could still be a a team that's hard to just beat. 
So it's just there's no there no even with the worst team, even the ones that regress in the West, they're not going to be easy outs from night to night basis. Maybe Houston if they just drop the bomb on it and have nothing left. Right. But even everybody else is still going to be – you can't take them for granted on any given night. No, there's well, – yeah. it, it is strange that – I mean, we're coming into a season where – I mean, which teams are really setting up like we're going to tank and we're going to be bad? The Knicks and who? <laughs> Oklahoma like I'm, City. I'm, no, like I'm, I mean, you you look at it seriously. Like the Knicks and Oklahoma City are the only teams <laughs> that you look at, and it's like they're not going for it. The Knicks are actually just like we're going to rent out our cap space to get more picks right now. That's what they're doing. No, no, David, David, they got Austin Rivers. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> go f yourself. <laughs> so, I had to um, drop that in there. Greg. I mean, I'm sorry. and we're and we're talking about that in the in a highly anticipated draft class here in 2021 um, that no teams are making it clear that like, Hey, we're, we're bottoming out outside of OKC, which just said, you know, making the playoffs every year isn't very fun. And Chris Paul is pretty much saying that he's ready to go someplace else. So we'll just blow up the whole team, which I mean, that's, that's still wild, right? Like, yeah, like any team could, you know, be a, a veteran team and just decide, yep, we can just blow it all up, send everybody away. But how often does that really happen the way OKC is doing it right now? So Sam Presti's a damn fiend for picks. Oh, Detroit I is love what he's team. doing. Detroit just to no, throw more salt in. Detroit and, uh, seems like they're kind of going for things. They I mean they what what did they do? Three years sixty million dollars for Jeremy, Jeremy Grant. Grant. Yeah. So, yeah, they're going to make him a focal point. Um, I'm they're so incredible. $25 million for Mason Plumley, like early, really early. But you let yeah. Christian Wood go. Yeah, it's <laughs> insane. It's just insane. I mean, like, I don't know what Detroit's doing, but it looks like it's really dumb. So. <laughs> well, I think it's more like, I feel like they're doing pieces. They're, they're just grabbing pieces, but instead of picks, they're doing actual players. Because they they were empty. I mean, their chamber was completely empty. So they but flipped it's incredibly out. weird the way they're building the, the roster. It makes no sense, which also makes me want to see this so badly. Like I said, I, I see genuine. I want to see Jalil mean, run the point, man. I want to I see Jalil. What run makes the sense point. is if you're gonna pay Jeremy Grant twenty million dollars a year to invest in a bunch of centers because he can't rebound. You know, like it, yeah. it's crazy. Like they're paying. Like I like him. But I was leery of bringing him here, um, you know, when everybody's talking about him as a prospect because his rebounding numbers are so bad. And you mm-hmm. put him, you know, so like. Just think about it. He's making more than Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. <laughs> so put it yeah. in there. You could. Would you rather well, here's have. the other thing. I mean, Christian Wood and Luke Kennard felt like more valuable players. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, totally. Oh, my God. Christian Wood. They're younger than Grant, year, they're right? They're bo- younger than Grant. So, yeah, I don't know. Christian Wood's numbers were uh, just sick. His numbers were higher than every member of the front court combined for the Pistons last year. They we were sick. We haven't even got to the, the stuff we need to talk about, about Lonzo Ball. We just need to have a Lonzo podcast. Yeah, we're going to have to do, do Lonzo yeah, we'll by that. itself. Because <laughs> if we get into that, there's just so much stuff. And we're going to have to just let people unleash their questions and all those things about Lonzo. Because there is a mistaken impression that you hate Lonzo. And I think that, that that part bothers me so much is because 
we're talking about Lonzo Ball, the basketball player, and we have to get beyond these things of labels of where you stand on the court. And we just need to deal with Lonzo, the basketball player. And I think that's, yes, you need to have one on him. Yes. Because people think that because I don't want to list him in a, in a certain position that I don't <laughs> like him. And I love Lonzo ball. I love Lonzo ball and what yeah. he play, how he plays and what he brings to this you were team. Tweeting a lot of good stuff after he took off in mid December. I remember. And I, I really like what I, what, what I've been proposing, what, where he could go. Um, and one thing we do need to talk about because the Pelicans uh, filling out the roster and what the Pelicans haven't done. The Pelicans are sending a very clear message that Nikhil Alexander Walker and Kira Lewis are going to play this year. Cause there's, I mean, their only lead ball handling options are Lonzo ball and Eric Bledsoe at this point. And so well, I think Nikhil I mean, played, but Kira Lewis, remember, I don't know if you heard of Fish, but in his press conference, he said that he's going to be brought along slowly. He's not sure when and how much time he'll get. He specifically uh, pointed that out. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, that there's still like the second guard off the bench right now is going to be Nikhil Alexander Walker. Like that's. Yeah. That is a, that is a strong bet. Reddick and Hart need ball handler. You're right. Uh, that is a strong bet being made on Nikhil Alexander Walker um, or or Keir Lewis. And I I am the more that I've researched Keir Lewis, I'm very high on him. But you think he's going to be ready? But he's still such he's a year out of high school. Since. Yeah. Yeah. He played two years of college ball, but he's so young. And it's still point guard in the NBA. You and just got to learn reads. It's and so stuff. rare. That's, that's how just, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, 19, but he was so good. He, I mean, he was so good that? at seventeen in Alabama. Like, it's but who's, it, who it, have it we seen sense. do that? Who what, who have we seen come in at nineteen as a point guard at, at six, six three? three? Yep, and do that outside of I mean, anything about Tony Parker? Most. Tony Parker was what twenty when they gave him the starting job. But he had been a, that that was with San Antonio in a year of of not starting first. So yeah, it's. Yeah, but he's not going to start. I mean, he's going to, what, get 10, 12 minutes a game, maybe. Some yeah. games, not all games. But it, I, mean, I think he plays once a week. Like, yeah. like, you can't play him more than once a week early on. He may get, by the second half of the season, maybe a different story, but I think he may get four or five minutes a week if, if things are going right. If he's playing more minutes than that, then that means something ain't going well. That's how I feel. Yeah, I agree with that. Because Nikhil should be getting if, – if Nikhil comes back and he's not getting 10 minutes a night, if Nikhil's not getting 10 to 12, then, yeah, then you've got a problem. Because you you're not expecting Nikhil to come back this, from this year and have all the time that he's had. And to not get those 10 to 12 minutes every game, he has to seize those. Those have to be his. Guys, anybody? No, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. All right, so I think we've hit it for tonight, though. We'll do yeah. a, We'll have to do a Lonzo-centric, like a Lonzo special sometime this week. But also maybe there'll be some more moves because the roster isn't done. So hopefully there'll be something else happening in the near future before Preston in particular loses his shit over us not having a wing. <laughs> He's having a meltdown. Yes, he really is. <laughs> like, we have to help him through this. Yeah. We, have to get, we have to send a counselor. 
This is oh. the worst thing to happen to him in 2021. <laughs> he lost his job. He's been, <laughs> he had a union fight. He had all these things, and but not having a wing right now. He's. I mean, like Preston is ranting. Like we got a what do you say? More expensive Derek Favors and a lesser Drew Holiday and no wings. That's Preston right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna have so, to explain to my kid how we have like the, the Pelicans are named the Pelicans, and apparently they're a flightless bird because they don't have wings. So there you go. All right, Mason. Okay. Uh, <laughs> God. <laughs> so, There's nothing wrong I'm, with puns every now and then. Come on. No, we'll let that one. I but just mute so the vicious mic. <laughs> so we we're done for the evening then. Um any any last words before we sign off, gentlemen? Okay. I think so. I mean we're gonna do a bunch of grades over at the bird rights and we're gonna have to start actually getting into player reviews, right? I mean, my goodness, the season's around yeah. the corner. Yeah, we really will. And um like you said, training camp, camp starts up. like this time next week, we're gonna talk about how training camp is starting in days, yes. in a matter of days. I'm wondering how we're going to be able to cover that grub because you know they're not going to let us in the, into the practice facility. Uh, it'll probably we'll be like, any... like it was in in the bubble that we'll get those once daily calls where we get to talk to yeah calls the plus coach like and, two minutes of video we can download yeah you know? that we all have to share yep. um, that you won't be able to get anything on your own and we're going to have to sit behind a whole bunch of crap questions so we get to ask ours so. which. Ali, you know, I got to give it up because you and I, I would say we keep having to wade through all that nonsense every time we do these calls to get a decent question in. And we usually come through, man. We usually come through. Well, we have plenty of time to think about it. <laughs> we absolutely <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. We absolutely. We got to right, get so, off. We yes. got to get out of here. So for <laughs> Kevin Berrios, David Fisher, and Ali Cosell, I am David Grubb. This has been The Bird Calls. Please make sure you rate us, um, review us, and share us with your friends. And until the next time, in the words of our good friend, Ellis, let's go Pels. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with allstate not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane why pay a rate based on anyone else get one based on you with drivewise from allstate not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.